Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the Steelers pregame show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Alongside me is KT Smith. Coach Smith, how are you doing tonight? Doing great, Brian. Got that uh, got that one and zero vibe going on right now. Absolutely, and once again, this is the pregame show, and we are going to go ahead and take a look at the Las Vegas Raiders visiting the Pittsburgh Steelers. But come on, we would be remiss if we did not talk about that great game last week. And I'm going to say it's a great game because to me, and this is something that I talked with Shannon White and Tony Defio about this on the Steelers hangover. It was one of the most satisfying opening game victories for the Pittsburgh Steelers in my 40 plus years as a fan. KT, what do you think? How satisfying was that for you? I love come from behind victories for a lot of reasons. You know, one is just sort of the emotional roller coaster of it all that you watch that first half and you just thought uh, all, all of my worst suspicions are coming true. The line's not ready. Ben looks old. You know, there's still maybe some issues that we have to work out with the defense. Um, but then you see the, then you see everything start to change. And so as a fan, of course, you know, you, you want to believe you start to believe. And then, you know, I mean, the moment that I believe they were going to win was when they blocked the punt. Um, and so, you know, you, you've got that high. But the thing that I really loved about it was like when you step back from it emotionally and you look at the coaching job that they did last week, it was so impressive. I mean, they really did a masterful job of neutralizing Buffalo's strengths, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And then, you know, when Buffalo challenged the Steelers to basically throw over their heads by, you know, loading the box up against the run and playing press man coverage, the Steelers did it. So, I mean, I was just really thrilled with the execution by the players, but just so impressed with the coaching staff and their game plan. Well, that's something that that's one of the reasons you're on the show, because you are a coach and you understand all the nuances and halftime adjustments. That has always been a problem with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it seemed to have been a, it was a major problem. It seemed with Randy Feetner. it seemed like nothing got better uh, with the exception of last year. And that come from behind went over the Indianapolis Colts in week 16 but it just seemed that when you had a Randy-led offense, that those come-from-behinds were few and far between, and there were not a lot of halftime adjustments. What kind of – I know you were not in that locker room, but what kind of halftime adjustments – what do you think that was said in there, and how do you motivate a pro team as opposed to high school boys? I don't think that they – I don't think – I don't think there's any kind of Hollywood rah-rah speech that goes on at halftime. I think it's very tactical, calculated decisions. I think on the offensive side of the ball, they decided to create more flexibility in their play calling by going more to RPOs. They were running into some stacked boxes in the first half. And I'm not sure, you know, why they didn't do this earlier. Uh, Maybe they uh, didn't really want to uh, emphasize it in the game plan. Maybe it's not something that they, that they practiced a lot of, but but it, in the second half, they absolutely included the RPO more, which gave Roethlisberger the opportunity to choose to run the ball or throw it at the line of scrimmage, depending on the look that, that he was given. And Buffalo had really stacked the box in the first half to uh, defend the run and didn't really have a whole lot of respect for Pittsburgh's receivers to be able to beat their corners one-on-one. So 
uh, at halftime, you know, they said, let's, let's, you know, give you some, some vertical RPOs, which basically just means like, we're going to, we're going to run block with the offensive line and we're going to run go routes with our wide receivers uh, against press coverage. And we're going to let Ben decide if he wants to, to throw the deep ball or, or hand the ball off. And the Steelers really did a great job. Roethlisberger uh, specifically did a great job hitting on some of those RPOs. And I thought that that really changed the momentum of the game. You know, if he did, if he wasn't hitting him, he was drawing pass interference calls. So just the fact that I thought that Canada was able to both a recognize, you know, what the right solution was and then b trust, trust putting the, you know, the game in Roethlisberger's hands was uh, in his first game as an offensive coordinator, I thought was a really, uh, really well done on his part. They only blitzed twice, Kevin. Yeah. And Josh Allen was expecting to be blitzed the whole time. And he knew that he could counter kill them and counteract that blitz by taking off. And we saw what happened last year against the Cincinnati Bengals with uh, Ryan Finley, what he would do when they blitzed the heck out of him and he'd run away from him. And that killed them in that game. And so it, it seems like they've learned lessons. The coaching staff has learned and, you, I got to hear Mike Tomlin talk about this on the Pat McAfee show today, but if you do not get a chance to see it, check out the, uh, I believe it was Chris Sims, and I'm not sure what network it was on, but I saw it on YouTube and I saw it floating around the internet and how they completely broke the rules of defensive football to confuse the heck out of them. Now, he wasn't alleging anything illegal. He was just saying that they, they took the rules and they changed them on them and really confused them. We uh, we lost to the Bills last season in, I think it was week 13. So it was a little bit later in the season. And now we had all summer to really digest that game and put this and put this game plan together. And so I think what the Steelers did really masterfully was they anticipated that Buffalo would go to a lot of three and four wide receiver sets. And they would do so because they felt that they had an advantage on, on Pittsburgh's defensive backs and that the Steelers rolled the dice that, that they could play nickel and dime, which is really what they did. They played nickel and dime the entire game um, and put five and six D backs on the field to match Buffalo's receivers. And then with the, with the, the core rush guys that they had left, uh, the interior five or, or sometimes even only four guys, they would mix and match those roles. So you saw Melvin Ingram lined up as an inside backer, and then he'd walk to the edge. You saw Alex Highsmith dropping off into coverage. Uh, you saw TJ Watt coming from all different angles. And I mean, just the, the fact that Josh Allen held the ball in the pocket so long tells you that he was confused because last year he was on time with everything. I mean, Stefan Diggs had 10 catches for 130 yards against the Steelers last year, and so much of it was quick timing routes, which tells you Allen knew exactly where he was going with the ball. He knew exactly what look the Steelers were going to be in. And this past Sunday, that wasn't the case at all. He was holding the ball, holding the ball, uh, looking around, and then having to bail out because the pass rush was caving in. So he was clearly confused by the looks. If not confused, he he was getting a new look so often that he really just didn't know what to anticipate. So great job obviously by the Steelers of getting inside his head and thinking outside the box. Well, I think I agree with you. I think that is a masterful coaching 
uh, performance. I'm glad we were able to get into a, inside a coach's head there and talk about that. So thank you so much for that. Speaking about being a coach, something that uh, we talked about last week, which I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, I had some really good comments on just the fact that we talked about your team. And I did not do this at the beginning of the show. How did your team fare last week? Because I actually do not know. I did not talk to you after the game. Um, we won 35 nothing. Nice. So, so the, the scoreless streak continues. You're shutting the scoreless, them down. The scoreless streak continues. That's correct. I mean, we have uh, we have the meteor part of our schedule coming up. So I'm, I'm eager to see how we how we do when we face some adversity. We're definitely going to see some adversity in the next few weeks. Um, but, you know, hey, man, you, you shut the other team out three weeks in a row. I don't care if it's peewee football. You, you know, you're pretty thrilled with that. So I know that you were a safety, correct? Yes. Yep. And you played that in college. Did you go both ways in high school? I mean, what did you play in high school? In high school, I played quarterback. So I was a quarterback and and safety. Oh, really? Why Now, what kind of quarterback were you? I mean, who would you compare yourself to skill-wise? I would compare myself to uh, David Carr, his first year in Houston, running for his <laughs> life. <laughs> I was, I was a, I was a Chuck and Duck quarterback. I would say that's how I would describe myself. We were, we were not, we were okay when I was. Our high school team was okay. We, we threw the ball a lot for, you know, I mean that's the late 1980s, and I mean most teams were getting into power sets and you know trying to ram it down each other's throats and. Um, and and we actually threw the ball a lot, which was which was a lot of fun. But um, you know, I uh, I definitely took some shots, no doubt about that. <laughs> well, the reason I ask you about that is because we all know that William and Mary, that Mike Tomlin was, of course, a wide receiver, but he made his hay in the pros as being a defensive coach, winning a Super Bowl as a defensive back coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then of course. We fast forward to 2008, his second year with the Steelers, winning a Super Bowl as a head coach. Are you like a defensive head coach or an offensive head coach? I'm blessed that I have two fantastic coordinators. I mean, I was not an offensive coordinator for about eight years before I became the head coach. Uh, when I was a younger coach as an assistant, I was I was a, a co-defensive coordinator helping coordinate coverages um, and while our DC did mo- mostly did the fronts and those types of things. So I've kind of coached it all. I'm, uh, and right now, I mean, I'm the special teams coordinator for the, for, uh, in addition to being the head coach. So I've really kind of had experience with all of it, but I'm really blessed. I mean, I, I, when I was an offense coordinator, I called everything from the booth because I'm, I can't see the game from the field. I'm a terrible coordinator from or play caller, I should say from, from field level. And I, I'll be honest, man. I mean, the guys in the NFL who do it from the field, uh, they really have to trust the eyes in the sky because you, you can't see anything develop uh, at field level. You know, you can't see the, the stunts the defense is running. You can't see their alignments. You know, you want to know, like, all right, is this is the defensive tackle a three-tech? Is he a two-eye? Because that's really important when you're calling your plays. And, you know, you can't see that from the field. And so when I became a head coach, uh, my first year I held on to the play-calling duties, and I, I just thought I thought I was terrible as an offensive coordinator. All that stuff, and it was so time-consuming that I just decided I need to go out and get some, you know, reliable coordinators. And I'm blessed, man. But the two guys that I have, a guy named Paul Callahan, who's a phenomenal coach. He means coached at the college level. And he's one of the best offensive minds I've ever been around. And our defense coordinator, Sean Matthews, 
Uh, he was an All-American, you know, Division Three linebacker at Wesley College, and those guys are fantastic. So I'm I'm very blessed. With that being said, hey, we are going to get into the meat of this game, the Steelers and the Raiders. It is coming up, and it is going to be actually a fantastic game because we're going to talk about how the Raiders defeated the Ravens on Monday Night Football. We are going to talk about how these teams look on offense and defense as far as the rankings, and we're going to talk about the players to watch on both offense and defense and the keys to victory for the Pittsburgh Steelers when we come back. On the Pittsburgh Steelers, here we go, pregame show, right after this on BTSC Radio. Here we go, Steelers, the pregame show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Alongside me is Coach KT Smith. Kevin, I tell you what, I am really jazzed for this game. And, you know, here's something. You and I have been around the Steelers for a long, long time as far as being fans and following this team. And there's a lot of younger fans. And I can even include guys like uh you know, Jeff Hartman and Dave Schofield here at BTSC are esteemed editors where I can say that they don't view the Raiders as a rival like we would because we've seen the Raiders win championships back in the 80s. And we saw the tail end of the 70s where that rivalry was great. And if you were, if you grew up in a Steeler family, your dads and your grandpas hated black and silver and you know i grew up with the last name davis and that was really bad just for the fact that al davis was public enemy number one kevin yeah 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 my my friend ed i'll never i can still visualize this man my friend ed got in a fist fight with another friend of mine barry barry was a, a raiders fan he wore a dave casper jersey to, to school just about every day number 87 yeah the ghost to the post he was a heck of a player and uh, and Ed Ed called Jack Tatum like the dirtiest player in the league, and 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 that that actually ended up in a fist fight, you know. So there was a there was definite Steelers Raiders animosity then that I think kind of rivaled some of the Steelers Ravens, uh, you know, physicality and that rivalry over the last decade or so. So like to young fans who are out there, if they're trying to think about well, what's a what's a what's comparable to you know the Steelers Ravens today that was Steelers Raiders you know back when when I was you know you and I were growing up so yeah for the for the younger fans it might not resonate but for guys like us absolutely man the Raiders are a rival and you gotta understand everybody loves jolly John Madden you know he's your happy grandpa with ace hardware and Outback Steakhouse and the Madden Cruiser and all that and Madden football and every he's but if you're a Steeler fan in the 70s, you hated that guy. And for good reason. John Madden was the guy that said when they were getting ready to play the Steelers in the AFC Championship game after the 1974 season, said, hey, the real Super Bowl was last week, us playing the Miami Dolphins. And you don't think that didn't resonate? 
John Madden is still upset over the Immaculate Reception. And now and this he, this week. He also, he also accused the Steelers of cheating in the playoffs. And I can't remember it was 74 or 75 because uh, the, the old artificial turf at Three Rivers was frozen. And he accused oh, yeah. the Steelers of watering it down, you know, to, to slow his team down. You know, he's a crybaby, man. Yeah, but I would not put that past Chuck Noll on the Steelers <laughs> of the 70s. I would just say that. Um, yeah, I'm just being truthful here. But now David Carr echoed sentiments of the Immaculate Reception when they asked about the rivalry this week. Did he hear this news when he said, hey, all I can say is that ball touched the ground. And <laughs> Steeler fans went crazy when he said that. And that... And we were talking about that on the preview. Jeff and Dave had not heard that. And that quote came out and I'm like, automatically, I want them to rip his head off this week just for saying that. Yeah. And that plays almost 50 years old. So, uh, you know, we have long memories, man. It and doesn't gr- take a lot. It doesn't take a lot for, for Steeler fans to feel slighted and immediately, you know, <laughs> kind of get riled up. Does it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That, that's our MO. We love to do that. Oh. <laughs> that's a Steeler fan thing you know uh, we you know what when you disrespect a Steeler fan and when you go ahead and when the Steeler fans are watching TJ Hushmanzada and I can't even remember the guy the uh running back for uh you at Lindell White and uh for the Tennessee Titans and even Ray Rice when you when you see those guys disrespect the terrible towel a part of you gets so excited that they did it because you just want to be mad and that fuels your fire and you feel like that's going to fuel the Steelers. And, and twice when that happened, they won the Super Bowl in recent years. <laughs> On one level, it's like, it's so silly that we have this attachment to this symbol, but on the, on another level, man, there's some, there's a great, sort of bond and sense of pride about it all that that we have this attachment to this symbol that this that this like means so much to us i'm sure you probably have multiple terrible towels you know i've got one hanging in my in my office right above my desk i mean i wouldn't even like i couldn't even imagine not having one you know it just it feels it just feels like like an obligatory if you're a Steelers fan yeah and it's our flag and banner and that's why that that incenses us so much because that's represent that fabric represents the fabric of the team and uh, represents so much when that team was nothing so I think that's the reason why but going into this game the rivalry doesn't exist but as soon as those two teams hit the field it'll be business and the Steelers won't forget the pa- the past few games where they've struggled against the Raiders even years when the Raiders were not that good and so this is going to be a really interesting game because the last time these guys took the field together you know it was not good 2000 I believe 2018 yeah yeah was I mean gosh the x-ray machine went down um (laughs) Chris Boswell went down trying to kick a field goal. I mean, it was, I mean, that team was terrible. And John Gruden, I mean, that actually woke John Gruden up as a coach. You know, I mean, that, that gave them a major victory that they needed over, over the Steelers who were going to be a playoff team at the time before they ultimately slid. But this is not a bad football team. And you got a chance to watch the Raiders take on the Baltimore Ravens. And for us, it had double meaning because we we knew that the Steelers were going to be playing the Raiders this week, 
And we also knew that we wanted to watch the Ravens lose. So the team we were rooting for just a couple of days ago, we're now rooting against. So when you look at that game and that team, what did you see in the Raiders that should scare us? Well, Darren Waller, the tight end, is a heck of a player. He's 6'6", 256, and, um, and he can line up anywhere. They lined, and they literally, they literally lined him up just about anywhere. They put him uh, in the slot. They put him as an inline tight end. They put him on a wing. They put him in bunch sets. They split him out wide. They threw him a bubble screen. I mean, bubble screens are, you know, like quick screens to the perimeter that tend to go to scat backs and Deontay Johnson types, not to 6'6", 256 pound tight ends. Um, they basically ran him on a complete route tree, just about every route that you could possibly think of. He got 19 targets in that game, 19 targets. Now he had 10 catches. So you can say to yourself, well, his target percentage was just barely above 50%. So if they want to throw him the ball constantly and have a 52, 53% completion percentage, then, then go for it. But, uh, but it's a little more complicated than that because, you know, he draws so much attention that he then opens some things up for some of the, some of their other guys, you know, they've got, they've got some speedsters on the outside. Uh, I think the Henry Ruggs is a, is a, a dangerous receiver who can get over the top. Uh, they got a kid, a kid named Brian Edwards who, uh, uh, caught what looked like the game-winning touchdown pass in overtime before that he got rolled down at the one and all sorts of chaos ensued. But um, so, you know, you, you, if you provide Waller too much attention, they've got some other guys in the passing game who can hurt you. But conversely, you know, if you don't rotate your coverage to him or you don't account for him, uh, they're going to force beat him. And, and, you know, again, he's, he's at, at 6'6", 256. He's just a walking mismatch. So let's look at the Raiders offense here. They had 491 yards in that game, 409 through the air, which makes them the number one ranked offense in the National Football League after one week and the number one passing offense. Rushing the ball, they only had 82 yards, so they ranked 21st. And the offense as far as scoring is ranked sixth that's a tie for six with 33 points in that game now remember that game was also went to overtime so you can think about that as well if we look at the Steelers defense here the Steelers ranked 21st as far as 371 yards given up what's really nice is uh if you look at rushing yards they uh they gave up 18 as far as uh uh, excuse me, they gave up 117 rushing yards, which means that uh, they are ranked 18th. But what's what I meant to say, what's really nice is they were only ranked, they're only ranked in the middle as far as 16th against the pass at 254 against a pro bowl and possibly all pro quarterback in Josh Allen. But the nicest thing of all of this, they only gave up 16 points. So they're tied for seventh with that. So you mentioned Darren Waller, and we're not going to mess around with that. That is the guy the Steelers do need to stop. How do they stop him? That's a good question because this is going to be a really different-looking offense from the one we saw last week. Like we said earlier, the Bills were a 3-4 and sometimes 5-wide offense that operated almost overwhelmingly out of 10 and 11 personnel, which means that they had uh, only you know one back – and one tight end on the field, and sometimes one back and no tight ends. The Raiders 
52 out of their 80 snaps last week came out of 12, 21, and 13 personnel. So 12 personnel is a two tight end grouping. 13 is a three tight end grouping. And 21 is uh, a tight end with two backs, that second back being a fullback. So they're going to put a much heavier uh, much heavier personnel on the field against the Steelers, which is probably going to necessitate the, that the Steelers respond with their 3-4, their base 3-4, which they played zero snaps of base 3-4 against the Bills last week. So putting the 3-4 on the field means that one of those defensive backs who was out there against Buffalo comes off the field and that the Steelers are in, in a more traditional four-linebacker, two-corner, two-safety look, which means somebody like, Terrell Edmonds or Minka Fitzpatrick draws Waller a lot. And, and I, you know, I don't think it's going to be a one-on-one thing. I don't think they're going to just say, Hey, you know, let's go, let's go man to man with Edmonds on Waller. But I do think the safeties are going to have to play a big role. They're going to have to drop safeties down into the box. Minka Fitzpatrick, by the way, played in the box a lot against Buffalo, 19, snap, 19 snaps dropped down playing in the alley, which is something that we had not seen from him much at all last season. So it'll be interesting to see if they move him around a lot. Terrell Edmonds is one of the more effective safeties in the league at covering tight ends. So it it seems logical for them to use him. I just think we're going to see what we saw last week. I think we're going to see a lot of different looks. They're going to throw a lot of different guys at Waller. They're going to try to bang him at the line of scrimmage as much as possible to delay his release. Uh, And they're not going to, they're going to try to to keep the Raiders from getting a, a beat on, on what the Steelers are trying to do. I'm glad you mentioned that because, once again, he is the uh, X factor for the Raiders, the most dangerous player there. If we look at the Steelers' offensive stats, they are ranking 18th overall as far as total yards, 18th with total points, with 23 points per game. They're looking at being the 28th-ranked passing team with 177, and this is encouraging. The numbers are mixed up. Instead of being the 32nd ranked rushing offense, they're the 23rd rush ranked rushing at offense, and they they're just getting started with 75. So feeling pretty good about that. When you look at the Raiders defense, well, the Raiders defense against the rush, they're 32nd um, with total points per game. They're 16th with total yards per game. They rank about 26th giving up 406 yards um, of total offense. So with that being said, the Steelers do have an opportunity here, Kevin, to go ahead and beat up on this defense, but there's a guy on that defense. Actually, there's two guys that I think are uh, really tough, especially at getting to the passer and just disrupting a lot of things. One guy being Carl Nassib, but the, the one guy that I think is an all-pro in the making is Max Crosby. What do the Steelers need to do against Max Crosby to keep them keep him from wrecking their day? Yeah, he's a high-motor guy. I mean, he kind of came out of nowhere. He was a third or fourth-round pick out of Eastern Michigan, and, um, but has really put together a nice career so far. Um, I don't know I don't know if they have to do anything special. I mean, they, they, they may – uh, help. He'll probably be mac- matched up against uh, Chuck Sakura for um, most of the time. He's he's predominantly a left defensive end, and Okora for is our right tackle. So um, I th- I've always thought Okora is better in pass protection than he is as a run blocker. 
Um, it'll be interesting to see, right? Are they gonna Are they gonna help? Are they gonna chip them with the back? They won't leave a tight end in. Uh, the thing that I think will help the Steelers is Oakland's a zone team, or oh, I just called them Oakland. Vegas is a zone team. Uh, they they play they play a ton of cover three zone. Uh, the the Ravens threw the ball 33 times last week, and on 31 of those 33 pass attempts, Oak, uh, Vegas was in a zone. So that's very very different than what we saw from Buffalo last week, where you saw a ton of press man coverage. And the thing about the zone is Roethlisberger is so good at diagnosing zone coverage pre-snap and knowing where he wants to go with the football. So whereas last week he had to hold the ball a little bit longer because of all the press man coverage to let his receivers get down the field, uh, this week I would expect that the ball is going to be out faster. So that in and of itself is one way to neutralize Crosby. Just, you know, get the ball out of your hand before he can really kind of get into Roethlisberger's grill. Um, and then the other thing is uh, I think that this is a defense that will allow the Steelers to run the ball a little bit better. I don't think it's hard to put eight and nine guys in the box if you're trying to play zone coverage. I mean, you just can't do it. So the, I think the Steelers will see some more traditional defensive looks, some four, three fronts. And when they go 11 personnel and, and walk a guy out in the slot, they'll probably get a six man box and they're going to get six hats on six hats in the box. And I think that'll invite them to run the football a little bit more. It'll be a really good week to see if the Steelers run game and all the, all the time and energy and investment that they made in it in the off season, if it's paying off because last week they just was not a, a great chance to do it just because Buffalo loaded the box up. They were plus one so often uh, this week, I think you're going to get even numbers. And so another great way to, to neutralize Crosby is run the football. Cause I think we're going to have looks against which we can do it. Okay, so give me one guy on offense not named Benjamin Todd Roethlisberger that needs to show up in the biggest way. I think this is an this is a Najee Harris week. You know, I think this is obviously the offensive line needs to do their part for sure, but I think this is a week where Harris could get a lot of touches, and uh, we'll see. You know, does he get into a rhythm? Uh, one thing that you saw last week was boy, yeah, you know, he didn't have a whole lot of a, a lot of holes to run through. But it didn't take much of a hole for him to to hit it and make yards. I mean, he he was. Uh, I thought I was really impressed with you know rushing against difficult circumstances. His ability to find seams. So if the Steelers can hold their own at the line of scrimmage, you know he's got to make things happen. Um, so he's the guy I'm I'm really going to be looking at carefully this week. And you know what, Kevin, I really expect him to have an amazing game out of the backfield as well as a receiver. How much do you think Ben Roethlisberger and Najee Harris talked this week and just spent – how much time do you think they spent together? Because if you ask me, I bet you they they spent a lot of time going over some things, working together to, to uh, clean up some of the uh, miscommunication from last week. Yeah, you know, they saw a couple, a couple check downs last week where Harris didn't get his head turned quickly enough or where, you know, he, he uh, was not exactly in the spot that – Roethlisberger thought he'd be so you know they they need reps together for sure I mean Roethlisberger you know he and Deontay Johnson continue to not be on the same page uh with certain whether they're like sight reads or whatever kind of checks that they that they're expected to make so I'm, I'm sure that they spent a lot of time working on that stuff and again I think this week it'll be even more important against zone coverage for those guys to understand you know where they need to sit down in the zone 
you know, when, when do they need to run through the coverage? When do they need to settle? Uh, that it'll be, that'll be a big thing. This is, this will be a, a good week to see if their communication has improved because against zone coverage, the receivers really need to know like where the whole holes are and, and they can't cover themselves by running into zone defenders. Real quick, who on defense needs to be Superman for the Steelers to stop these guys, especially Derek Carr and Darren Waller? I mean, a lot's going to fall in the safeties because they're going to—they're the ones that are most likely going to draw responsibility against Waller. But uh, I don't—I wouldn't say that the, that they need to be Superman. But if the D line can do what they did, uh, or the, I should say, the pass rush—if the pass rush can do against uh, Vegas what it did against Buffalo then it's going to be a good day for the Steelers because Vegas's offensive line is banged up. Uh, they gave up 12 pressures to the Ravens, and the Ravens have a good pass rush, but they don't have an elite pass rush like the Steelers do. Uh, and they, you know, they lost their starting guard for the season with a torn ACL. They already had another backup in the lineup. Uh, Alex Leatherwood, the right tackle, is not the greatest pass protector in the world. He, he struggled with Justin Houston. Uh, so I think that they're – that their pass protection is a bit suspect and man, did the Steelers get after the quarterback last week. So if they can do that again, that'll alleviate some of the responsibility on those safeties, having to lock down Waller. Absolutely. So let's get your score prediction. So, you know, yeah, I said, I guess I wrote an article for the site that ran today in the preview and I said, 27, 19 Steelers. And, uh, a lot of other people have been picking it to be a little bit of a low, more low-scoring game, and that might be the case. But I'll stick with that. I think the Steelers are probably about a touchdown, a touchdown or so better than the Raiders. Really? So I had the Ra- Ra- uh, the Raiders covering the spread, but the Steelers winning by the score of twenty-seven twenty-three. So we're both expecting a win, feeling really good about it. Now we were both lo- wrong last week. But I love being wrong when I'm picking against the Steelers. So I have no problem being wrong. This week, I don't want to be a wrong, my friend. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I didn't, I definitely didn't think they were going to win last week. I mean, I thought they could win. But when I looked at everything and tried to be like not emotional about it, but sort of just reason it through, I just didn't think that they were ready with all the change that had gone on in the offseason. I just didn't think that they would, that everything would come together so fast. And I really credit that to the coaching staff. I, I, I just, I know I said it at the beginning of the show, but I want to say it again. I thought the, the coaching job they did last week was tremendous. Uh, and uh, just that, just, I mean, Tom, not only were the scheme changes great, but man, Tomlin really just had his finger on the pulse of his team. It felt like they played with emotion. You know, they, they, they played with a high motor. They, you know, what? they, they played like a team that were, that were kind of like, we're the Pittsburgh Steelers, man. You know, like, all right, we're going to Buffalo and they're, and you know, they beat us last year and they're, they, people are talking about them like a Super Bowl contender, but we're the Pittsburgh Steelers. That pedigree and the pride I think that the players have in that uniform and the responsibility they feel as, as a Pittsburgh Steeler to perform at an elite level, the standard is the standard. I really think that that, that, that came shining through last week. So I know we've had a bunch of stinkers against the Raiders, or I guess we're one in three against the Raiders in the last since 2012 and in every one of those four games we've been the favorite and and we're one in three uh, but that said I don't know I just feel like the Steelers are playing with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder after all these people wrote them off in the offseason so that makes me optimistic about Sunday very good thank you very much what is going to be on the menu 
at the Smith House for this game? Well, with our, you know, Sunday, so what I do on Sunday, because we're so busy during the week with all our various, you know, teaching, coaching, all that stuff is make up big pots of whatever that we can then have as leftovers. So I've been looking at like a pasta bolognese, like a good bolognese Ooh, sauce. Nice. Yeah. So a good, a good meat sauce that, you know, we can keep for a couple of days. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking I'm heading in that direction. What about you? I'm looking at the possibility of some hoagies for this game, but I have not put my finger on it as of yet. You're from Maryland, so Maryland is hoagie territory. Here in South Jersey, South Jersey, it's subs. Oh, yeah, we're subs, too. I I grew up in in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. It's definitely subs. Um, But when I I talk about a steak sandwich, I don't call it a steak sub. I always call it a steak hoagie. My college roommate was from Long, Long Island, and he used to say all the time, let's go get some grinders. Grinders, I was like, what, yes. what the hell are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, that, I was I like, mean, oh, these are subs. He was like, subs? What are subs? Where I come from, that's called a lap dance, but that's another thing. So <laughs> <laughs> with that being said, we need to end it on that note. Uh, <laughs> so perfect for Kevin Smith, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. Grab your terrible towel. This is going to be a good one. It's going to be Steelers. It's going to be Raiders. It's going to be a lot of fun. And hopefully we will say, here we go, Steelers. Let's beat those Raiders. Oh, how it rips me, beloved, makes me live for tomorrow.